Welcome to the Capitalize podcast. I'm your host, Craig West, the founder of Capitalize, and I'm going to take you through our digital platform to help you work with business owners to maximize the value of their business and successfully exit. In this episode of Capitalize Insights, we're joined by Scott Duke. Now, Scott's wearing multiple hats, and he's done that for a very long time. I'm going to go through a bit of his background, but he's founded 11 companies. He's a lifetime entrepreneur, most recently focused on M&A advisory, but also actually works very closely with us here at Capitalize. So firstly, Scott, hi. Thanks for coming along, and thanks for showing us that very, very impressive background, which is actually real. Yeah, no, Craig, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. So we might start with a bit of personal and professional background, a bit of history. You've done a lot of different things over the years. Maybe just talk us through some of those and give us a bit of background. Yeah, for sure. I think just for grounding, people like to hear that I've been a hot dog cart vendor so that they always get a kick out of that. (laughs) Uh, As I say, I come from the streets, literally, because I cooked hot dogs. (laughs) for a year and a half to get some one of my companies off the ground. Uh, but I was a pro wakeboarder for a while. That's kind of how I got in the space of entrepreneurship. I, one of my dreams was to own a private lake. Full of, for those that wakeboard out there, they kind of understand this. If you, if you don't, it's, it's water skiing, essentially, where you stand sideways, kind of snowboarding on the water. Uh, but my dream was to have a lake full of jumps and rails and this kind of stuff. And uh, so I founded a company so that we could acquire a lake like that and, and moved along the process there and ended up, after five years, owning the largest wakeboard facility in North America. So it, it was an I didn't expect that when I started, but that's kind of where it ended. Uh, so that was my kind of foray into the entrepreneurial space, I would say. And then from there, I just ran a whole bunch of other little stuff. So I, I mean, a whole handful of things until I ran something that was of decent size. We uh, we purchased and then grew a property management company uh, to enough large enough scale that a private equity firm bought us in 2018. Uh, so that kind of got me into the M&E space. And that's where I am today. And I've been here doing this, helping people transition their businesses, whether they're small or large companies, uh, for the last eight years. So tell us a bit more about the M&A practice. What does it look like? Yep. Who do you help? How do you work? Yeah, we're pretty specific about who we work with. So company owners that have revenues of two to 20 million, uh, for those that are in this space, EBITDA ranges on the low at 300 and we'll go up to kind of 2 million in EBITDA. Uh, those are the companies that we work as far as size. And then primarily working with service-based businesses. So in North America, they have the North American industry classification codes, NICS codes, and we work with yep. 541 and 561. Those are the industries that we target. Yeah, fantastic. Now, before we move on, maybe just tell us where are you and how does that view work? Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe give people a bit of background. Okay, yeah, no, it makes sense. I, so, I live in Canada and uh, on the west coast of Canada in a province called British Columbia, and in a town that is the middle of nowhere, unless you're a skier. So, we have the most heli ski companies. I don't know, anywhere, I think, in the world, in this little town of Revelstoke that I live in. And if you're a snowmobiler, you probably know it. If you're a skier, you certainly know it, unless you've been, I don't know, haven't been paying attention to, uh, to <laughs> you know what's happening in the ski industry. Uh, so I I moved here 12 years ago uh, to be a ski bum for a year. That's when I had my hot dog cart. I cooked, the, like I did, it got me established in this community. Uh, but in this community, I've been a city councilor. I've owned a radio station. Again, the property management company, a whole handful of things because I find small communities as they're building, there's lots of opportunity. And for an entrepreneur, they're, they're kind of a nice place to be. But for if you're a skier, or a snowboarder, or a snowmobiler, and you live in Canada, this is this is where you want to settle. So this I've is the managed, place to be, right? Yeah, I managed to make it work, which which is kind of cool. I think the next, uh, I've just made a decision, executive decision. Our next capitalized conference is in that room. 
it's a pretty cool place to hang out by the looks of it. So, mate, I'm interested in a bit more background. Like you've yeah. got an amazingly diverse career when you talk about a hot dog stand, a professional yeah. wakeboarder, a property yeah. management company. How did you get into the M&A? You sold your business. Obviously, the property yeah. management business did pretty well, sold it to private equity. How did yeah. you then get into M&A? Yeah, that was a little bit of a long road, but I, uh, the property management company in British Columbia, you need to be licensed through, it's called the BC Financial Services Authority. And to get a license, it takes a bit of time, fine, whatever. Uh, but when we had that property management company, I need to become licensed. And then in doing that, it kind of opens your doors or your mind into all the different things you can do with this license. And one of the things you could do was sell companies. And it was of interest to me because of, you know, being an entrepreneur and kind of going through a few companies my own that, you know, maybe this is something we could do and bolt into our brokerage practice. And so I tried the first company and, you know, we sold one company and they sell two and they sell three. But all of these companies were, were very much mainstream businesses. So, you know, burger shacks and, you know, spa, an Italian food restaurant. Like this, these are the kind of things that, that I was selling in the beginning. And, you know, I just really enjoyed it. I liked working with the entrepreneurs. Every deal was different. You learn something new every time you ran a transaction. And then you just slowly work your way up the ladder and sell larger and larger and larger companies to where we landed today. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, the sky's the limit, right? As far as the company sizes that you can work with. And for those that are kind of new to the space and listening to the podcast, Pretty much small companies are sold by realtors or kind of main street business brokers. And then you'll, as companies get bigger, they're sold by M&A advisors. And then as they get even larger, kind of $100 million plus in revenue, they're sold by investment bankers. And so we live in that pocket of the M&A advisors, again, that sell, sell businesses that, you know, are to investment bankers are small, but to business brokers are big, right? And that's just, we're really happy here. It's an underserved market. And, you know, there's not enough people supporting business owners of that size because it does take a fair bit of acumen and time to understand and get to this this spot. But that's that's the history. That's how I got here. It's really just time on the board, as you say, or time on the skis or whatever, uh, just doing different transactions. Yeah, fantastic. So your clients can't all be in Revelstoke. It's not that big, no. is it? So you've got no. clients all over, all over Canada, all over North America? Yeah, mostly Canada, uh, just because... Right. That's what we've been targeting right now. Uh, we have done some transactions in the U.S., uh, but there's enough business in Canada for us to to grow much larger than we are right now. So we're just focusing on Canada. And then primarily we'll have businesses that are in the West Coast just because we're in the West Coast. Uh, although that being said, I mean, for those that are Canadians, like I grew up outside of Toronto. So we do some business in the East just because I have a footprint there. But that's it. That's the target area that we that we service. Yeah, fantastic. And like you said, not many in Revelstoke because no, to get to the scale, that big, right? it's not that big. Yeah, you're we're we're a population of max fourteen thousand. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's actually yeah. quite a small place. Oh yeah, pretty yeah. beautiful though, which is yeah. good. So tell us about how you run and manage the practice. You know, what tools do you use? How do you work with clients? Yeah, for sure. So uh, we use a handful of tools. We're just actually kind of looking at our uh, P&L today from a technology perspective. We're spending around just fifteen dollars to $20,000 a year on software. Uh, but I find that I'm a big advocate of having the right software in your hands. And I just think it helps you accelerate, helps you scale. And it really just helps you provide a higher level of service to your clients at the end of the day. Uh, so uh, the, the backbone of our business here, we use Zoho as a CRM. Uh, and then we also, and I mean, part of the reason for being on this call is to talk about how we leverage capital uh, so we, we use Capitalize in the practice and then we use the Google Suite. Uh, for internal communication, we use Slack. So those are kind of the big pieces that we're using in the practice. 
And how big is your practice? How many people do you uh, have? We have a team of five right now. We're actually hiring two uh, this month. So we'll be seven shortly. And we'll probably be able to stop around there, like maybe 10. Yep. Some of the companies I've run in the past have grown to 25. And there is a point of potential diminishing returns as far as the time that it takes a founder to manage people. And I don't know. I, I like a smaller team, to be honest. So we're small, we're nimble. And yeah, I think we'll be able to get to where we need to go with the, with 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So yeah. It's, it's still growing though fairly quickly, which is good. Yeah, it's good. We've grown... And this is, again, we just had our Q1 meeting just before this call, uh, and we've grown 200% this last year. Yeah, wow. So That's we're, huge. We're, we're pretty excited. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. So, mate, we first met doing an event called 10X Live, which you ran, uh, yep. and I spoke at two and a half years ago now. That seems quite a while. Yeah, um, right. And yeah. So tell us a little bit about that side of the business because that's quite unusual. Not a lot of people doing M&A are running events like that or doing you know doing those kind of uh, activities for marketing. So that's a little bit unusual. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I I mean, I could go really deep on that. I'll kind of do the high, the high level of it. So back in 21, I was trying to figure out exactly where we wanted to basically make an entrance into the marketplace. And I was following a bunch of gurus. And for those individuals that are listening that get sucked into kind of the online gurus, I pretty much got sucked into every single one. And the, at the time, I was sucked into a guy named Russell Brunson who owns ClickFunnels. And I actually have nothing but good things to say about Russell because it was a major stepping stone in my career and certainly a milestone going through his program. Uh, but part of his program was to... And this is a crazy thing. This is... A, you, you pay to be part of this program and then all they do is like dump the work that you need to do on there to basically grow as an individual but the the challenge of this program was to reach out to everybody that was the leader in their space uh, in the space that you operate in, so for us, the M&A industry, uh, reach out to every CEO of the leading companies. So it's like kind of a big challenge when yeah, at wow. that time, our company was a, a little bit of a nothing burger. And you, know, you were one of the people who reach out to because as far as Australia and New Zealand, uh, it capitalized with Succession Plus, your your other business, you guys are kind of the king of the castle down there, right? So that was that you came up on our radar and we reached out and, you know, by the way, thanks again for coming on that because it wasn't, it was a little bit of a challenge to get the first few on there. But we ended up having 30 of the top M&A professionals that owned M&A firms or like M&A firms uh, in Australia, New Zealand, uh, UK. We had, uh, anyway, we, we had about 10 different countries and the, the top dogs in each country were kind of on this, this event. Uh, anyway, that that was kind of how we broke into this space. And it was, an, it was a challenging experience, to be honest with you. And it basically pushed me to my personal limits, uh, but it, it, it broke our company out, which was you know the, the purpose of it. Yeah. So for those that weren't involved in the event, it was during COVID. So yes. people were locked down and I certainly was at home and doing it over. I did the interview with you. I think it was about 3.30 a.m. That's right. Yeah, and that's I had right. to hold into the call. So yeah. remote, obviously, all people disconnected, you know, not in the same room, et cetera. You had 30 speakers over, I think it was two days, wasn't it? Yeah, it was three days. It was a three, three day days, thing. right? Yeah. 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 And 30 speakers and you had quite a few attendees as well that registered to attend. That's a big event to run. Yeah. yeah, we had 700 attendees. It was, it was a big event. It was a lot of heavy lifting. It was a lot of work, but it exposed us to what, what I had not been to exposed yet was the whole, the digital, the digital world as far as marketing goes and like yeah. how you can actually leverage yourself at scale uh, using, the, the, using Facebook, using LinkedIn, using kind of the digital marketing tools that are out there. Yeah, fantastic. So going on from there, I mean, that obviously, that's how we first met. That's how we first got involved. You found out about Capitalize. We spoke about the 21-step process and so on. Going forward, 
that's obviously changed dramatically since we first met. You're yep. now very yeah. heavily involved in Capitalize. Tell us a bit yep. more about that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can talk to how we use Capitalize or would you like me to talk to like how, you know, our relationship and kind of working with the company. Like, what, what Maybe start with how you use Capitalize in your practice, M&A yep. business, and then we'll talk about Capitalize the business and your role and so on. Yeah, for sure. So what we found in the M&A space is, especially as we kind of move forward and the baby boomers are exiting, you have a lot of people that come and knock on your door that want to exit their company, want to sell. And I say they usually come to us when their hair is on fire. So they've had some kind of, I, I don't know if it's an existential crisis, but they've had some, they woke up one morning and they're like, I got to get rid of my business. And and by the way, as, like, as an entrepreneur, I've had that happen multiple times in my life. They're like, okay, I'm done. You know, and it's usually, it's usually yeah. burnout that does it. Uh, so we'll have people knock on our door like that. But just because you want to exit your company doesn't mean your company's ready to exit. Uh, so for us, we're using the capitalized tool kind of as a, as a two-pronged Actually, we use it in three ways. Uh, one, we're using it as a hook. So when you're initially talking to somebody, and I, I mean, for for those that are you know listening, depending on you know where you're going to drive value from this, I'm talking more from like an advisory perspective at this point. But to get a new client, you need to have something that you can sell them. Like obviously, like you can't make a client without actually having a transaction. Uh, so we'll use Capitalize at that point to get that initial transaction to start building rapport with somebody. And there's a great exchange of value with the Capitalize tool because. Now someone's learning. They so then just how it works in a practical perspective is like they'll contact us. I'll have a strategy session call with them, and then on that strategy session call, I learn where where they're at in their process. It's like, do they want to? Is their hair on fire, or do they have time before they want to sell, or do they want to sell internally? They want to sell externally to a third party, or they like have the goal of selling to a strategic. Do they want to do an IPO? I mean, there's all sorts of ways to exit your company, but from the first part of it, like you need to do a diagnosis, right? So you can take your car into the shop and the first thing they're going to do is they're going to hook it up to the software and they're going to determine, okay, what's what's actually wrong with this vehicle? That's literally yep. what the capitalized report does. So from my from a sales perspective, it's like, that's what I'm doing. I said, okay, for, before we can go anywhere, we need to kind of plug you in, uh, determine where you're at, and then we can chart a course going forward. Uh, so number one, that's why we use it. We use it to start kind of a relationship building process. Uh, number two, we're trying to determine what What's this company actually going to sell for when it goes to market? And this is a big question for the owner, right? Because if they if they're sixty five, they're sixty seven. Our oldest client that I'm working with right now is seventy three. You need to you're planning your retirement, and part of your retirement planning is really what what your core asset is worth, your business, and you, you need to kind of know that number so that you can factor it. You know what you're going to make off it, doing investments, whatever it is, but to fund your future retirement, uh, you need to know the number. And that, the capitalized report tells us that, right? So that's kind of number two. And number three, and this is kind of maybe more on the selfish side, but it, it fits into our business model of the M&A practice, is, is this company actually sellable? Like, can we take this company yeah. to market and actually get a buyer that's going to come forward and be attracted to this company? That's a big question for us because at Open Road with the team that we have, I can work with about 20 clients a year right now. So we have to be relatively selective about who we're going to work with because we don't we want to work with companies that are going to have successful sale because that's how we get compensated. We get compensated on commission. Uh, so we use the capitalized tool as a screening process as well to determine the sellable companies versus the unsellable ones. Now, we are throwing people to the dogs at the end of it. It's like, oh, you're unsellable, <laughs> so like away you go. Um, it, the capitalized network is building up a whole, like we wrote 60 somewhat advisors and Craig, you know that number better, but what when we determine that a company is you know, not sellable today, doesn't mean it's not going to be sellable in the future, but today it's not sellable. Uh, now we can pass it back to the capitalized advisors and they can work with that, that owner to then make that company sellable and then pass it back to us, whether it be six months, a year down the line. Uh, so that's, that's how we're using the tool. 
You've been pretty successful as well as using the tool as a mechanism to engage higher value clients. So most brokers, yeah. whilst you don't want to become an investment banker and sell to $200 million company or whatever, yeah. you do want to attract those larger clients, the more profitable clients, the better, more mature business. You've been able to use Capitalize to do that. Maybe just tell us how you've actually done that. How does that work? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so basically, most companies make under a million dollars. And that's just the yep. reality. That's about 90% of businesses that are in the marketplace. And for those yep. individuals, the capitalized tool is a little bit, it has too much horsepower. They, they, uh, they Honestly, we aren't going to put it to work with them. It's more designed yep. for the business owner that's kind of broken through. I call it opening the door to the private capital markets. They're so close. And for us, that the bottom there is that $300,000 in EBITDA. That's where the capitalized report really starts to turn on and become extremely powerful because there we can we can show the owner while you're earning the 300k in the report it shows you exactly how you could be earning the 500 or how you could be earning the the million right and it get, it gives them this roadmap of exactly how to do it uh, so if someone's at that size range that that's where we trigger the report and it gives us this ability to give them a higher value product versus just either you know the, in, if they're small, we have other things too that we can give them. And, and so that's sure. fine, right? Because we want to be able to service everybody. Uh, but when they're at that size range, it's like, okay, now we have something that we can engage them with. And when we do that engagement with them and we actually run them through the report, what the report has done and what we found with it is that it gives us a level of status, a level of, level of credibility when we walk them through that report that gives them confidence and trust. And now they're willing to work with us as advisors moving forward because we've shown them kind of, I don't know, our merits, call it, right? That they're and yeah. now, now they're gonna work with us moving forward. The other thing that it does that I think is you know worth mentioning as far as kind of capturing those. Uh, by the way, the way I describe it to my team is that when we cast a net, when we go out there and do our marketing campaigns, whether it be 10X Live or you know, um, at exitplansummit.com or any other of the marketing events we're doing, we're, ca we're essentially casting a massive net. And like when we pull that net in, we're, we have mackerel or tuna, right? And the mackerel, we we do what we want to do. Like we have stuff for the mackerel and, the, and for the most part, we're kind of pointing them in the right direction. But when we get a tuna, we're like, okay, we want to keep this tuna and the tuna might not be ready. You know, might not be ready to sell yep. and like go to market. That's where the capitalized tool is really good too, because you get to engage with that client earlier in the process, and you get to have a deeper conversation. You get to build that trust with them. You get to build a rapport. Then they can maybe go away and work with a capitalized advisor to increase the value of their company. But they've already worked with you as an M and A advisor at that point, so they're going to come back to you. They are now within your network. Uh, so we're kind of using it for those two two ways: a attracting the larger businesses, and now we have a now we have a way of kind of landing the larger business business and then B, keeping that business or getting that business earlier in the process so that we can then service them later. Mackerel and tuna. I'm going to remember that. That's what people remember. Yeah. Absolutely. That's good. So yeah. let's let's flick over now. You're, yeah. you're now heavily involved playing a role at Capitalize. Let's talk about yeah. what that role is and how that works. Yeah, for sure. So I'm on the sales side. I mean, I'm naturally a salesperson, I suppose. My father was a salesperson. Maybe his father before him is, but I don't know. But it's like, I don't know how if that happens. If you've sold hot dogs on the streets of Revelstoke, you're a salesperson, let me tell you. Yeah, for sure. So I, I like sales. I like basically, I, I look at sales as solving a problem, essentially, at the end yep. of the day. And this is a massive problem. This is the biggest problem that but an entrepreneur needs to sell. It's like, how, or he needs to solve. It's like, how do I exit my company? And more importantly, like how do you exit your company for the maximum value? The capitalized tool is by far 
without question, the best tool that we've found in the marketplace to date. And we've looked at everything. Uh, so I'm, I can stand behind it. It's like, I, what it, what's the guy that I'm not only a member of the hair club, like I use it or whatever. So that's the, that's the thing that we do, right? Yeah. So we, we, we use it in our practice. We used it last week with a client and it, you know, it, it's great. It works, right? So that's, I now lead the sales team, which the sales team is small. It's like me and two other people. Uh, but we're, we're preaching the gospel and we're getting it out there. So advisors that work with owners earlier in the process. So if you're like a CPA, you're, you're a wealth planner, uh, you could be someone like myself, like an M&E advisor. This is now something that you can use to engage that client at a deeper level. And I really believe in it because on the M&A side, we see a lot of businesses that while they're great companies, they, they may be unsellable. And I've gone through that personally, like the camp that I talked to you about that we built, you know, the largest wafer facility in North America. This was an unsellable asset is by all definitions, it was owner dependent to the absolute end. And if I had known that, and I was young, I was in my 20s, in my late 20s when we shut that one down. But if I'd known about owner dependence at that point, if I'd, if I'd known about the different things that I needed to do in that company to make it sellable, that company would still exist. And so I think that's important information to get into people's hands because, you know, really Companies support communities, companies support people at the end of the day, companies support families. So it's nice to see companies stay in existence. And this tool really helps owners kind of unlock and see that through that lens for the first time of looking at their company as an asset that they can sell. Yeah, fantastic. So we're doing a fair bit of activity. Capitalize obviously ramping up activity in in the North yeah. American market. We've got, I think, 25 events we're already booked in for in the 2023 calendar year, yeah. most of them in North America. So yeah. we'll be doing a fair bit of travel, you and I both. Yeah. Obviously, there's a fair bit of interest in that market. There's still a lot of baby boomers that haven't yet exited. Not all of them exit at 65, like everybody talked about, the the silver tsunami and you know so on. A lot of those people have delayed retirement. COVID has also helped them delay retirement because they stick around for a while. I'm seeing certainly in Australia and New Zealand where we operate, a lot of people now coming back to the table saying, okay, I've had enough. I've been yep. through COVID or I've waited. I'm now 73. My partner's had a heart attack or, you know, I've, I've got a problem or whatever. Now there's, there's a lot of people coming to the exit conversation. Yep. And that wasn't the case. You know, a lot of them are delayed. They're now coming back to the table and they really do need that level of advice that you're talking about. It's not just about get a broker, sell the business. In most um, cases, that's not going to get you the right result. Yeah, I mean, and to just add on to that, other M&A conferences that we go to that are, you know, specifically groups of M&A individuals, there is not even close to enough people that are operating at a level where they can service companies that are called that 5 million to 100 million space. Yeah. There's just not enough individuals to service these these clients, right? There's going to be a major bottleneck here, people trying to exit. Because what I've found is that, A, it's difficult for an owner to exit. Right, you have to, you have to give up everything that you've done for the last sometimes yeah. 30, 40 years, right? Uh, so because of that, there's a de- there was a delay, and that sixty five, it didn't people didn't exit at sixty five like employees did, and there's stats on that. It's like the entrepreneur hangs yeah. around longer, and it, it really is partly because that's our it's part of our character. It's like what do we do when we leave our company? Like who are we almost right? Yeah, what else so we that, gonna do? Yeah, what else we gonna do? So that delayed a bit. And then COVID hit, which delayed it by another two years. And then so you have all, you have a lot of entrepreneurs that are reaching the end of their 60s. And now they're really starting to sit down and think, okay, I got a, I got a plan. Like I got to figure a way out, right? As there's a lot of people coming to the market right now. And I think 2023 is going to be exceptionally busy in 2024. 
Okay, so before we wrap up, a couple of things. Yeah. Firstly, how do people contact you? Website, social media, LinkedIn, whatever it might be. Okay, so my email and phone number is really easy to get. You just go to openroad.io. I'm, it's like everywhere. Type in Scott Duke into Google. I'm like the top eight like things that could pop up. Uh, or just go to LinkedIn and type in Scott Duke and it's really quite easy to find me. I'm with the kind of guy that's out there. I'm giving as much advice as I possibly can and I'm, I'm really open. So I'm not, I, I don't try and keep a closed door. It's really easy to get in contact me, with me if you want to. Fantastic. I'm going to wrap up with three quick questions. Just okay. We ask the same question to every single guest. Yeah. So right the first one is, what's your number one tip for advisors? Ooh, um, you need to you need to find a niche and dive deep into it. It doesn't have to be like one specific niche, uh, but you de- you definitely want to have a few niches that you're working and diving deep because that's where we found the most success in the last little bit. The broad the broad reach of trying to just communicate with business owners that it, it will not return, make returns for you. It's like you want to choose specifically what industry you're targeting and you will bear a ton of fruit doing that. So you're talking about heart surgery versus being a GP. That's what I'm General talking doctor. about. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. What's your favorite business book and why? Yeah. I don't, I mean, I can't say I have a favorite, but I have so many business books that I, I have three libraries in the house. Uh, but if someone wants to read a book that's fun and you have to pay a little bit of money for it so that it makes you actually read it is Charlie Munger's Wit and Wisdom. Like it's full of pictures and it's, it, I mean, this is Warren Buffett's business partner for those yeah, yeah, that don't wow. know. His book's fantastic. Really enjoyable. And it's kind of a nice book to kind of read at night before you go to bed too. Yeah. I haven't read it. So I'm going to go and get that and have a look. Yeah. It's about 100, 150 bucks. So it's got to, it costs a little bit, but Whoa. it's worth it. Yeah. The guy does yeah. know how to make money. Let's face it. Totally. <laughs> and the last one, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Do you practice what you preach? What's your exit strategy? Yeah. yeah so I, this company in particular, I don't plan, I plan on continuing to run it for at least 10 years. Like I'm 41 right now. So it's going to take You're me You're a young fellow. You've got plenty of time. Yeah, it, it, I got. I might run it longer. I, I'll run things. I kind of run things until I have extracted as much out of the. There's no more learning to be had. Like once that is done for me, it becomes boring. Uh, this one has. Uh, I don't know where the limit with this would be. I might be no. Like, there might be no limit to it. So, uh, and I'm really enjoying the team that I have right now. So I'm not thinking about exiting. That being said, uh, yes, we absolutely practice what I preach. Like I have been through failed company sales, and there's nothing more painful than that. And I've been through successful company sales, and it's it really is all about systems, processes, and team, right? And making sure your, your machine's running efficiently. I love that. So it's they, we build that into the company every day. Fantastic. Scott, thanks for joining us. That's been really interesting. Greg, as always, so great. And thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us for the Capitalize podcast. I hope you found it interesting and useful. There's a lot more resources available on our website, which is just www.capitalize.com. And if you're looking for it, it's Capitalize without the E at the end. Feel free to reach out to us if you need any further help. Thanks for joining us.